Pulp MX Network production. To this day, when I hear that song, I see you standing there on that lawn. Discount shades, store bought tank, flip flops, and cut off jeans. Somewhere between that. A new view from inside the truck. X-Racer to Racer and Eye to Eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires. Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas. It's actually September 11th. Uh, this is a Sunday, a week after the finale we saw at Fox Raceway. And uh, yeah, I apologize. I was on vacation this week and uh, podcast is a little late in delivery. But it's also given me some time to reflect on all the things that went on really all season. And uh, of course, last weekend leading into that you know, dramatic finale and, and the showdown between Eli Tomac and Chase Sexton. Of course, I was there uh, helping doing the pit reporting with uh, Jason Wygant and James Stewart, which was really an awesome, uh, just an awesome opportunity for me this summer. Yes, it was hard. Yes, it was really hot at the, at the finale. And yes, I was super nervous most of the time, but I, I learned a ton throughout those uh, nine rounds that I got to participate and I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping I'll get that opportunity in the future, and, and maybe in other arenas. We'll see, right? There's uh, there's a lot going on, a lot changing. Platforms are changing. I believe everything will be going to Peacock for next year. So there's there's a lot of moving parts uh, to that whole deal. But even if it's the last time I ever get to do it, I'm very thankful, very grateful, and uh, yeah, it's it's just something I can say I checked off my my list if that, if that was it. I do want to thank the sponsors of this podcast, Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Works Connection, Fast Foundry, Pro Glow Wash, Grant Stone Boots, and Fly Racing. Thank you to all them. Uh-oh, I left one out. Uh, also need to add a new one from last week, which is uh, TL Speed Shop. Uh, Jason and, uh, and Josh down in, uh, down in Arizona with their UTV uh, tours. Uh, last show we talked about them quite a bit and I'll share their message again but thank you to TL Speed Shop for coming on board too. So let's jump into this. Obviously the the 250 class was all but wrapped up. Jet Lawrence did not have to do much. Uh, I think he needed to get 12th in the first moto if my memory serves me correctly and if he got 12th then all was said and done and he didn't even have to ride the second moto. Now it's funny I (laughs) I had a few people DM me asking if he could ride the 450 in the second moto. And I was like, beside myself with that question. Like, I, how can you possibly think that's possible? But then it's funny, like Jet actually asked, I guess, the same thing to someone, <laughs> which is crazy, right? But again, he's only 19. He, hadn't, he didn't grow up here. He doesn't know the rules. There are lots of things he doesn't know. He doesn't know the history of the sport really well. Uh, so it, didn't, it shouldn't shock me as much as it did that he asked that. But yes, you can't switch classes. You can only ride one class per day. You definitely can't switch classes midday. Like there, there's a lot, a lot of reasons why, to me, that was a silly question. But again, it was funny. Um, I do think there was a real chance that he was going to ride the 450 if he had clinched at uh, Ironman. 
I, I know they had a full test. That was obviously more for motocross of nations, but he wanted to get out there. He wanted to help chase if possible. And I think he wanted to get an idea of what the 450 class was going to be like for next summer because he'll be on it and he'll have to go out there and battle Sexton and whoever else is at the top of the list. I don't expect Tomac to be back out there, <clears throat> excuse me, but yeah, he's still going to have to battle the, the best of the best. And it looks like Sexton is going to be near the top of that list. Even Jason Anderson, who won two races, like I just think he wants to get a feel for what the pace and the intensity is like more than anything. But he, he needed a win and, and wrap up that 250 championship, which he obviously did. He gets the overall win. Really impressive way to go out, in my opinion. Uh, I don't want to say there was lots of pressure, but there was. His, his body language and his demeanor, he was nervous. He remembered what happened at Hangtown last summer and how bad he melted down at that finale. And I think he was worried about doing that again, which he didn't. He didn't, to his credit. He actually won the overall and keeps his undefeated streak at Fox Raceway going. So great job from him. It has to be said, though, in that second moto, Joe Shimoda was on fire. Uh, I kind of mentioned to Jet, like, hey, you know, could you have gone and gotten him if you needed to? And, and he didn't sound like he could have. Uh, he was just like, I, you know, I tried for a minute, and then Joe was just on it. So, yeah, he was just gone. And, and Joe won by 30 seconds. He was doing four to five seconds a lap faster uh, in the lap times than the rest of the field in that second moto for a while. And he just kind of got in the zone. I think he was really pissed off about the Hunter Lawrence pass in the first moto and I think he wanted to prove a point that not only was he going to get second in the championship he was going to absolutely demolish everyone in doing so as for the hunter crash or the hunter incident I didn't love it Uh, I don't think he meant to knock him down as violently as he did I think he went in there trying to make an aggressive pass but I think he came in hotter than he was really hoping to uh, you can see in his, just the way he's kind of flailing, that he's trying to slow down as they enter that left, coming down that hill, and he, he couldn't slow down. He made, I think, harder contact than he really wanted to, but at the same time, there was, there was a lot on the line for him. Uh, his bonuses for second place in the championship were really big, uh, not only from Honda, but he had insurance bonuses for second place as well, so there was a lot of financial incentive Uh, for him to go get second and to back up that reasoning go watch you know and I don't know how much of TV they showed specifically I I think they got some of it but Jet Lawrence was very very upset with his Honda you know the staff for not letting him know that Hunter was so close in that second moto because he wanted to let Hunter win the first moto he wanted to let Hunter buy so Hunter could gain those three points they would have went into the second moto tied and whoever beat who would have gotten the nod. Well, now we know that Joe would have won anyway. You know, Joe obviously decimated Hunter in that second moto. But if you were ever wondering if they cared about Hunter getting second place, you can put that to rest. And, and I had been hinting about that on the shows I've been doing and here on this show. It matters. It's a lot of money uh, in the end of the day. And, and this is something that Brock Glover and I disagreed on a little bit. We were talking at one of the rounds, uh, I want to say maybe High Point, where Hunter and Joe, or no, excuse me, Hunter and Jet were battling so hard, and maybe it was Hangtown. One of the races, though, Brock was kind of, kind of brushing aside the talk of the overall win, because I, I said, well, you know, if, if he stays here, he gets the overall, and the overall matters, it's a lot of money, 
and you get the points and all that. And Brock was like, nah, they, they don't care about that. They want to win motos. They want to win the race they're actually in. And I just, I didn't see it that way. Like I know how valuable those race wins are. And, and also it needs to be said that these guys aren't Eli Tomac, right? They're not multi, multi, multi millionaires. Like Eli Tomac probably made seven or $8 million this year. Good for him. That's great. He earned every dollar of it. And he just added to the other multi, multi millions of dollars that he already had. Hunter Lawrence isn't that guy. Jet Lawrence is probably a multimillionaire by now, but they're not on that level. They haven't financially secured the rest of their life yet. So it matters a lot, you know, making the difference between making 20 grand and a hundred grand on a weekend is a big deal. And the difference between making, you know, 30 grand and 125 grand or 200 grand for the series with insurance and Honda bonuses. And all, that's, that's a huge deal to these guys and it matters. So it just, I, I felt a little bit vindicated because I had been pushing that narrative and, and I kind of got pushed back against a few times, but all the things that went on on Saturday between jet wanting Honda to let, he was going to let Hunter win the first moto. Think about that, right? If you're ever wondering, all these guys only care about winning the first moto, Jet was going to give it to Hunter. And then the second moto, Hunter goes for the kill. Excuse me, the end of the first moto, Hunter goes for the kill on Joe. There should be no doubt about how much second place meant. And, and I know a little bit of the details behind the scenes. It was, it was a big deal. It was a big financial blow for Hunter to get third and not second. So, uh... I only wanted to make a couple more notes on the 250 class. Um, Justin Cooper, he was okay, right? I think the biggest thing Justin proved was that if we were wondering how he was going to be at Motocross of Nations against the 250 guys specifically, I think he proved that he's going to be fine because he was able to battle with Jet that entire second moto. He was able to battle and beat Hunter in that second moto. He beat Marvin Muscan in that second moto. So there were in the first moto as well, there were a lot of pluses for me. Um, what did he go one, one and, and leave no doubt? No, but I just wanted to see signs of life that he can be good enough. He, I think he's going to get a good start. I think he's going to get that inside gate and I think he's going to get it done. But I think if he had a bad day, if he had gone like seven, eight and Marvin had beat him in his first race out there and Hunter had half tracked him or something like that. I would be worried and I would be worried about the talk going on behind the scenes about Justin Cooper and everybody thinking that we made a mistake in picking him and he can't be, you know, Marvin comes out in his first race and beats him. What does that mean with, for team France and team USA and all he put that to rest in my opinion. Now the work is still yet to be done. We still have to go to Michigan and perform. Uh, but I just thought it was a little bit of reassurance that yes, Justin Cooper is still good. Maybe he had a couple bad races, but he's going to be just fine. And he rode a lot better at a track that he was pretty awful at back in May. You know, first race, I get all that, but it, he was pretty, pretty bad at that opener. Uh, the other two, Hymas and Deegan, they made their debuts. And I thought they did enough. Now, did they blow us away? No. Did they win their first race ever? No. But I thought they were okay. They ran around the top 12, you know, second moto, top 10 for Deegan. And... Um, I think if you were just wondering, are these kids, do they have it? I think they do. I think they're going to get a lot better. I, I'm sure Hymas learned a lot. Deegan obviously progressed a lot from re, week one to week two. And that's all you really want. You just want some sort of confirmation that these kids 
they belong out there. Um, they look the part, all those types of things. That's, you know, it's more of an eye test. The results matter, but you want to see the eye test. I thought Deegan was ripping in that first practice of the morning. I thought that was a really good sign. So yeah, that, that was plenty. And now they get to go back and absorb all the things they learned and start to apply those. And when they practice, they're going to know the intensity level and they're going to look at the times and go, man, I was, I was like five seconds off of where if, you know, if I'm expected to win, I got a lot of work to do versus you don't really know. You're like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, I'm good. just going to jump in here and, and it'll be business as usual. I'll be at the front. And then you get this wake up call of how good and how fast those guys are actually going. And they'll have the, all this time to sort that out now and try to figure out how to get up there. So for the, the 450 class, we have our top 10 rankings. And I tried to make these a little bit more of an overall season view. Now, some of the guys that were hurt basically the whole year, like Ferrandis or Cincerillo or some of those guys, I, I didn't put in here. Uh, I don't think they did enough throughout the course of 29 races to really deserve it. And I really struggled with the back half of this, the back few anyway, because I could make a case for both sides. I could make a case for them being in or out. Um, so don't, don't live and die with this, the, especially like 7 through 10, because it was, it was really difficult. I didn't know exactly how to gauge like if they only raced outdoors or they only raced supercross or whatever, it makes it really tough to give you a fair view of, of an entire season. Uh, but without further ado, here we go. Uh, number 10, I have Dean Wilson. And I thought his ride at Bud's and Fox Raceway showed progression. And it's also his last outdoor ever. And I wanted to give him some recognition. I thought he looked pretty good. And also, he was pretty decent in Supercross. He was getting a lot of top 10s before he had his injury. So I thought uh, he was deserving of being in this top 10 overall. I believe he was kind of a top 10 guy all year long when you combine the two outside of injury. Um, so yeah, Dino gets a 10. Great career for him. He's still going to race next year, don't get me wrong. But for motocross, just a great, great career. He was a champion in 2011. Uh, he won a lot of races. And I think... If you really want to take a snapshot of, he probably underdelivered as far as what his potential was. You know, when he left that 2011 season, I think everybody was like, "Oh man, this dude is legit. Like he is the real deal. He's going to win 450 races, win 450 titles." And that never materialized. We all know that. Uh, but in the end, it doesn't it doesn't always happen for everybody, and that's just how it goes. Not everybody can win. And he dealt with a lot of injuries. He had to overcome a lot of adversity multiple knee surgeries, you know, just everything that can go wrong. Like his, his injury this year in Supercross was brutal. And he's just a really nice guy. He's class act. And uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to miss him next summer. Number nine, Benny Bloss. This was tough, right? I, I think he showed a lot at that finale. And that final round really weighed heavily on me putting him at nine. Because it would have been very easy to not have him on this list at all. There were a lot of races where it didn't go well. He DNF'd a lot. But I thought, man, the way, if you paid attention to his ride on Saturday at Fox Raceway, he showed what he's capable of. He was catching Christian Craig and Barsha for a lot of the first moto. It was just a really, really impressive day for Benny. And I think if for anybody who is doubting, like, can he really do this? Like, is, is all this talk and he's still out there and, we all remember like the rides he's had, those one-off days. He reminded us on Saturday that he still got it. He still has that potential in the tank. 
so that propelled him to nine. Um, you know, I, it really was, I, I, maybe you can call it recency bias. You can say I'm putting too much, too much weight on the final round, but, um, he had a bunch of top tens throughout the series and that last round was just really something special. Um, that's the best I've seen him ride in a really long time. Uh, so congrats to Benny on ending it on a, on a good note. And he needed that man. He really needed some sort of spark. You know, his parents and his dad, they put so much into his racing financially and emotionally and, uh, they needed some sort of payoff too, right? They, they need some sort of confirmation that, you know, this isn't, this isn't a lost cause. And, and, you know, everybody has to face that as like, is this going to work or should we be doing something else? Should you be going to get an education? Cause Benny's not a kid. Benny's married. Benny has a child. Like, you know, he has responsibilities and he has to financially provide for them. So if it's not working, if you keep getting hurt and you're not making money and you know, no one's stepping up to the plate to pay you at some point you have to make a really hard decision there. So I was just happy to see him really see some sort of light at the end of the tunnel here. Not, not to me, not to say that anything's sorted out or he's signed a factory contract or any of that, but it had to feel good for everybody involved to get a really good result and look great doing it. Number eight, I have Mookie and Supercross really weighed heavily on this. Outdoors really wasn't anything to write home about. We all know that. But Supercross getting, you know, battling for third in the series. I think he got it, right? Because they penalized Barsha. But either way, being right there in that fight all season, being battling for podiums, uh, that did it for me. The outdoors thing, I get it. He had a hurt knee at the end. He came back. Wasn't anything spectacular by any stretch of the imagination. But for his Supercross season and not have him in the top 10, I don't think was really fair, especially when he came back and raced, raced some outdoors. Number seven. See, I just had a sip of coffee for RD Coffee. So a little nod to uh, James Stewart there. Number seven is Ryan Dungey. And I was really hoping he was going to stick around. I was really hoping he was going to say, yeah, I'm back. I am back. But I think reality set in a little bit. I think we saw how much of a grind it is for these guys. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him for wanting to step back into the shadows because it, it's all, in, all encompassing this is. And he's got, I believe he has two kids now. Um, I should know that. But he has a, you know, I think he knows what life is outside of racing. He doesn't have to do this anymore. He's financially set. He can call his own shots. And I think he always wondered what if. And he got to answer that what if. He got to go back and live that life and ride for factory Red Bull KTM and run around at the front and whole shot motos. And do, he got to do all the things, right? He doesn't have to wonder what if anymore because he gave it his best shot. He was healthy all summer. And he was a top five guy. I can say that unequivocally. He was a top five guy. So good for him. This is a feel-good story. He didn't get the podium we were all hoping for. Of course, I was really pulling for that podium. I just thought it would have been an awesome story and, and awesome for him and all that didn't happen. I think Washugal was the one that got away. Uh, that, that first moto mechanical really did him in, in my opinion, but he was so close other times too. You know, Bud's Creek was another opportunity, but, uh, con you know, congratulations to Ryan Dungey. He doesn't owe anybody anything. And, uh, yeah, just a, a true champion and a, and a really good guy on and off the track. And, and, you know, there, there have been guys, Trey Kennard, Andrew Short, there have been guys over the year where you just are like, man, that's how you want to do it. That's how you want to handle people. That's the image you want to portray. 
that's the hard work that you want to put in. And, and Dungy just epitomizes that, especially this last round where he was so engaging with the media, always had a smile on his face, always the last one to leave the track. You know, he's doing autographs and all that stuff. So just, uh, yeah, just a salute and a, a thank you to Ryan Dungy for, uh, yeah, for being you. Number six, Justin Barsha. The finale was better, but I think we all have to say that it, w- it was kind of a so-so outdoor season, if at best. It just wasn't great. You know, he had that one-off day at Redbud where he gets a podium, but the rest of it wasn't great, in my opinion. Um, I'm used to seeing Barsha be a top-five guy battling for podiums, so maybe my expectations are too high. But I hold him in a pretty high regard. He's, he's a really great racer. I don't love the way he races. I'll be very transparent with that. I don't like the contact. I don't like the pass on Ferrandis. I don't like a lot of things that he does. But there's no denying that he's, he's a great racer and has been for a very long time. He's fast. He gets good starts. He knows what to do. Uh, but this, this outdoor season was probably one he would like to forget. It just there weren't enough highlights, and there are a lot of weekends where I'm sure he was really, really frustrated. Number five is Christian Craig. And he comes off a 250 Supercross Championship, and then he backs that up with multiple podiums. And that's good enough for me. That's good enough to be top five, even though he wasn't a 450 guy all season. I think he solidified himself as a solid 450 guy. I think he did that. Now we'll see. He's going to switch over to the Rockstar Husky team. We'll see how that goes. We'll see how he fits over there. You know, change in bike, change in team, change in surroundings. I think he's going to be fine. I don't think there's anything to worry about. But it'll be interesting to see how that goes for him. Uh, he's, been at, he's been at Monster Star for, for a while now. So um, just an interesting change there. I'm looking forward to seeing him in 450 Supercross, where he stacks up. We all saw how amazing he was in the whoops. That's going to be his strength. Um, but yeah, he could be a podium contender in Supercross, especially like one-off rounds, right? Like where he's just feeling it. I, I think maybe we'll see him near the front. Number four, Ken Roxon. And to say it was a quiet summer, uh, yeah, I think that's fair. You know, we're used to seeing Kenny be a title contender, and he, he really wasn't after a few rounds, and that was always the talk. You know, Steve Mathis has made that a point of just saying he can't be a title contender because he can't maintain. He can't hold that level throughout the season. So for outdoors, I think that's probably fair. For Supercross, I'm not quite there. Uh, but you saw him have tough days outdoors. You saw him at Washougal just be nowhere near the front. He just wasn't able to come close. Fox Raceway, he crashed on the start and got terrible starts and all that. So it wasn't even really a, a conversation to be had. But I think Kenny at four, he was you know a top five threat all year. He won A1. He won races. He won outdoors. He won Thunder Valley. He, he deserves to be four. It's just what it is. I, I don't have any qualms about putting them there when you look at the complete body of work. I don't know where Kenny's going to end up for next year, by the way. I think Honda is really his only option. So to me, when you just take a step back and look at the common sense answer, I think he and Honda figure it out. But I don't think that's done. I don't think there's anything been sorted there yet. I just don't really see anything else that makes any sense. So I think in the end, cooler heads will prevail and he'll end up at Honda. Number three, Jason Anderson, and this one goes without, you know, there, it goes without saying. I think he's the obvious number three, and number two and number one will be as well. But just a great season for Anderson. He wins seven Supercrosses. He wins two outdoors. He gets a ton of podiums. This was by far his best full year ever. No question about it. 
He really came into his own. I thought he matured as a rider. I thought his hard work really showed, his improvement, his dedication. And uh, he made a fan out of me. I'll be, I'll be quite honest with you. I was always like shoulder shrug about Anderson. Uh, he made a true fan out of me this summer. Um, I really liked what I saw on and off the racetrack from him. So congrats to Anderson. Great season from him. And uh, yeah, he rekindled his career, in my opinion. I, I kind of thought he was on the slide a little bit. You know, I, I thought best days were behind him. And uh, yeah, he proved me wrong in that description. Number two, Chase Sexton. What a year for him. And I know he had to be just devastated to not win the title. I know he had to be frustrated. Um, he was oh so close. He goes into the final round one point down. But you're up against Tomac, and, and that's such a cliche answer. But anybody else, and you win it easily, right? Um, and he's got so he has so much in front of him. He has so many years left to rack up wins and titles. And really, even beyond that. If you don't want to even want to look at it that way, you could just say, well, I mean, you did it to yourself, right? Like he had every opportunity to go win. He had the, the advantage in the second moto and he crashed. He crashed three times in the second moto. That's on you at some point. You have to just take responsibility that. So what, what else can you really do um, but just nod your head to Tomac and, and say great job and say we'll get him next year, right? Because we all know Sexton's on the rise. He's kind of quote-unquote next. That's un, I don't think that's uh, even able to be debated at this point. So congrats to Sexton. Amazing year. He really, really broke out this summer. And uh, yeah, he's going to be a, a title contender in every series from here on out. That, that's just uh, that's who he is now. So great job to him. Um, you know, obviously, there's a lot, of, a lot of speculation about where he ends up in 2024. Um, I personally believe he will be on a KTM in 2024, which is crazy to think he's signed a deal already this early, but I keep hearing it from people that would know. So we'll, we'll see what exactly happens with that story, but it sounds like he will be on a Honda in 2023 and then a KTM in 2024. So just something to keep your eye on, something that's uh, definitely heavily floated amongst, uh, amongst those in the know. Number one, Eli Tomac. And what else can you really say? Uh, wins both titles, wins a ton of races along the way, goes 1-1 to put a stamp on that championship that it would have been, I don't want to say it would have been easy, but it would have been much easier to switch, you know, go 2-1, 1-2, right? Keep the status quo the same. But he didn't do that. He went out and he made it happen really in that first moto especially. Like they were going at it. And he bested Sexton. They, they won by a minute and 15 seconds in that first moto. In a, in a shortened moto. Think about that. So that, that tells you the pace and how hard and how great those two guys were. You know, Tomac has basically said this will be his last motocross championship. Not publicly and not officially, but that's the word anyway. And he goes out on top. He gets it done. A great champion. He, I think he has to go on most people's Mount Rushmore with the legacy he's leaving. And it's not even done. What if he goes out and wins Supercross again next year, right? So, uh, yeah, we're witnessing greatness. This, this guy, is uh, he's really something else. He had a comeback season in 2022. Wins both titles when a lot of people were wondering how that Yamaha move was going to work. I think everybody was kind of like looking at it side-eyed a little bit. And uh, just an incredible job by him. 
I have nothing but kudos and congratulations and all the, all the positive adjectives to assign to Eli Tomac. Just a great job from him. So that's your top 10. Obviously, we're rolling to Motocross of Nations now, and I will be doing a uh, little Motocross of Nations preview podcast. I know I've been slacking on these shows, but I'm going to give you a preview one next week uh, leading into Motocross of Nations. That'll just be mine. I'm sure we'll do other ones. I'm sure we'll do ones with Steve and Weege, but I want to do my own. I want to give you my thoughts you know, unabated on these other guys, these other teams, what to expect, their, um, trying to think of the right word, tendencies, right? How I think they stack up head to head with our guys, because I've been at these GPs, obviously, I've got to watch them in their element, see how they do. Some of the lesser guys that a lot of you probably don't know much about, I'm going to try to fill in some gaps for you. So that'll be fun. Uh, but again, I want to, I do want to thank the, the sponsors before we get away from this thing. Pirelli MX32 Midsoft Mini Tires is their newest item. Check those out. Guts Racing, uh, obviously they sponsor the Rockstar Husky team. So if you saw those throwback bikes that those guys were racing at Paula, Fox Raceway, that graphic set was on the uh, Standing Construct Husky team in Sweden when I was there like a month ago. So just a beautiful look. I loved that. The blue seats and the all white. Like I thought it was just a badass look. I didn't know that the guy, the team here was going to run it, but great, great look for the Guts Racing sponsored uh, Rockstar Husky team. So um, if you're wondering about that, that's them. That's them. So check them out. Plum Creek Funding, rates are high. You really need to be smart about your decision-making process right now. So I would reach out to Zach Morris at Plum Creek. They're about to add more states. I think Florida and Texas, I think he said. They're about to add to their uh, states that they can do business in. So reach out to Zach Morris, Plum Creek Funding, 720-212-4685, and he can at least just answer questions. If you have questions about the market, are we going up, down? What do these rate you know, hikes mean that the, the Federal Reserve is doing? That all has a residual effect on what you're paying on your mortgage. Uh, so just it's, it's always better to know more, right? Knowledge is, is power, which is a terrible cliche, but it's, it's very true. Fast Foundry. Reach out to Robert Carrico and the crew. Ask that how they can help your small business or big business. How can you be more efficient? We all know the challenges that are going on right now. Inflation is causing global supply chain issues and everything costs more. And it's every aspect of business is harder to do today than it was three years ago. So reach out to uh, Fast Foundry and the crew there. See what they can do for you. See what efficiencies you may not know about, right? That That's the biggest thing that I take away is like, if you don't know what you don't know yet, the, that's why these people are experts. That's how they can help you save money. And I th- honestly think for some people, if, if we really go into a deep, dark recession here, which I don't know, it's debatable. It, it could be the difference between people staying in business and not. I truly believe that. So why not reach out to, uh, to them and, and uh, ask how they can help. ProGlow Wash, you can use the promo code MOTO15. They have some pretty big news coming, but they are a power sports specific wash. You know, if it's a side-by-side street bike, obviously dirt bikes, um, you should be using ProGlow. Don't use some off-the-counter item, right? Use ProGlow. Use a power sports enthusiast company. And uh, yeah, they sponsor this podcast. So why wouldn't you choose ProGlow? Works Connection. Those guys with the ProLaunch Start device, they get whole shots, right? You look at the results, it's pretty obvious uh, two more championships between, uh, you know, Eli and, uh, and Jet Lawrence, right? 
they they win they win their championships. They use Pro Launch Start Device. Obviously, Factory Honda uses it. Obviously, Monster Star Yamaha uses it. They win the titles. And then everybody on the Motocross Nations team for Team USA is using it. Justin Cooper, Chase Sexton, and Eli Tomac, they all use it. And they're all going to hopefully, hopefully, rip, rip hole shots using their Pro Launch Start Device. You can use the promo code JT21 at uh at checkout to save yourself some money but that's a really cool aspect for eric phipps and the crew over there two more titles and all three guys will be using it on team usa so congrats to them grandstone boots i wore them last night went out to dinner and they always have me looking sharp as they did last night also want to thank tl speed shop joss and jason down in uh down in arizona wickenburg actually you can rent brand new Can-Ams. You can go with your crew. You can even do like corporate events. That's, that's a big thing too. You can go tour the Grand Canyon. Um, this is a really, really cool experience. I think for me, if I was going to do this, I would want to do like the Baja deal. Like I love Mexico. I would want to go on some sort of Mexico Baja experience. But obviously, I, I know that's probably a really expensive one. But you can do like Sedona. You can do wine tours. But all this is in their own side-by-sides, right? So you have all the equipment. You guys get to rip across the desert and then you get to end up at destinations along the way. You can have lunch, you can have, you know, stay there. You can do all these really cool things. You can tour the Colorado river. And I think you can actually call them and say, Hey, I, you know, I have this idea. I don't want to do this. And I, I would bet that they can figure out a way to, uh, to cultivate that experience for you. And listen, we all know these side-by-sides are like 30, 40, 50 grand when you, you know, have them on the level that TL speed shop does. Why don't you save yourself a few hundred grand of prepping for this trip on your own and just call TL Speed Shop and set up your dream vacation. You can call them 928-415-1045 or you can go to tlspeedshop.com and uh, ask for Jason down there and they will get you set up. I actually need to get down there and do this myself, something I've been really wanting to do for a long time. And uh, yeah, so thanks to TL Speed Shop for coming on board as well. Finally, last but not least, fly racing, of course, where I'll be back in the office tomorrow. It's been a minute. I was out, uh, man, I've been out a lot. So actually excited to go into the office and, and get caught up with the team. 2023 line is out now. Check that out, flyracing.com or any authorized fly racing dealer or your favorite e-tailer as well. So that's it for this week. Just a little recap. Again, I'll be talking about motocross of nations. Uh, I'm probably going to, I'll be, you know, we'll have a gap this week and then leading into the race. So look for it like a week from tomorrow or Tuesday before I head to Michigan. I'm going to do a recap. I'm going to make notes. I'm going to make it, uh, I'm going to be prepared and uh, try to get you as dialed in as humanly possible for what I think will be the event of the year. Really hard to argue against that take. I'm already both nervous and excited and I, just a lot of anticipation building up each day that gets closer. It's huge, right? It, okay, if, if you don't care, whatever, that's fine. But there's a lot of us that do. It's a big race. You know, a lot of us uh, take this stuff seriously. And if, if you've ever been to this race, you know what I mean. Because there's a lot of nationalism going on. Like everybody's cheering for their country. And there's a lot of pressure on the riders to perform. If you've never been and you, and you just watched it casually, I get it. You're like, ah, who cares? Just another race, whatever, win, lose, if you've been, especially if you've been in Europe, and it's, I'm telling you, it's everybody against the USA. It's always like that. And 
is if any other country wins beside the USA, they all are happy. If the USA wins, USA is the only one happy. It's, it's probably the best way I can define it. And we haven't won since 2011. So we got to get this thing done. So look for that next week. Thank you to everybody. Thank you to the sponsors. And I apologize for not getting a, a podcast done sooner than this one. It's been, uh, it's been a minute. So we'll talk to you uh, in a week. See you.